Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. I hit record. I did it. I hit the button. Awesome. We're here, man. Uh, man, I'm so excited. Everyone, we've got, we've got great backgrounds on. We've got coffee. We've got water. Um, amazing guest today. Let me, let me tell you about him. Let me kind of inspire you with who we're talking with today. He's a senior marketing leader, a speaker, and a growth evangelist. How, how, how long? For, is this a, a year or two years? No, no, no. Decades. At least two decades of experience. Lots of work in the financial services and the technology spaces. A lot of big brands. Uh, but one of the things I really liked about his description in my conversation so far is that not only does he like to build teams, but he likes to inspire them as well, which I, we're going to get into um, as we go through big brands, Discover, Twitter, Financial Engines, GoDaddy, currently the Vice President of Marketing at First Republic Bank, Yogesh Mera. Welcome, sir. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, being here, Casey. I don't think I have introduced myself that well. I'm, I may borrow <laughs> some of those uh, as a way of introducing myself. Uh, appreciate the kind word. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Sometimes what people do is they clip that part off the show and they make it their wake up alarm on their cell phone every day, you know? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you know? <laughs> uh, hey, that may work. I have trouble getting out of bed. So uh, that, maybe that this sounds, will do it. Yeah. Though, you know what? Sometimes when you hear someone's voice or sometimes I'd put a song for a wake up alarm, you start to hate that song, you know, you're like, so maybe you wouldn't like to hear my voice after a four or five, you know, 5am wake up. So, but hey, let's get into this. The theme today, it's our marketing leadership series. And we're talking about data, talking about balancing the tactical, the strategic and actually executing so many things here. So I want to get right to it. I got to pass you something here. It's kind of heavy. So hold on a second. Okay, here you go. You got it? Here's the handle. Got it. Yep. Thor's hammer. All right. Look at that. One-handed Thor's hammer, people. Um, the strength of giants over here. So take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. Oh, there, are, there are quite a few of them. I'm on a, a bit of a, a myth-busting uh, trip uh, for the last few months. Um, let me talk about the one that I think is especially rampant, uh, okay. and that is um, data being the end-all be-all. Uh, I believe data only takes us so far, and, and over-reliance on the data uh, could be problematic. Uh, and there are, there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first one being the fact that data causes what I call a um, a tunnel vision. Oh, tunnel, matrix, yeah. Like right? you're driving, you got the blinders and just looking at one. Yeah. You got it. You know, you are focusing on too much on conversion rates, click through rates, you know, cross sell mm-hmm. revenue per product, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And yeah. you may, you may kind of lose a bigger picture. Who is the customer? Are we on brand? Does it make sense in the long term? Are we getting the right kind of people, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Right. The second is, um, there is a big confirmation bias in data, right? Okay. Um, uh, people use data, cherry pick data, sometimes even have the problem statements 
uh, that get the data that that kind of fits the numbers to the narrative. Right? Got it. So they're uh, learning from the data. They're just using it to say, "Say I'm right." <laughs> exactly. There, there you go. Is is that is that technically what confirmation bias is? Is just trying yeah, exactly. to twist data to your own evil purposes. Exactly. Or yeah. you know something if if something does not fit your belief, you kind of you know rig it, hack it uh, to confirm it to your own narrative, your own mental right. model. Yeah. So you, you're right. And then the final thing I would say is an overlance on data. Honestly stifles creativity and innovation and uh, you know if you i don't know if you have um if you hear jeff bezos talk about amazon prime hmm. he talks about the fact that you know every spreadsheet that he saw on the profitability uh was bleeding red <laughs> they would have made the decision of launching amazon prime on profitability it would never happen right, right? Right. So uh, sometimes, you know, you have to innovate and do the right thing for the customer and know that if you do the right thing, everything will work out, mm. right? And those are not always data-driven decisions. So I think data is, is, is one of the very critical inputs, but then you have to layer judgment, intuition, and a little bit of heart yeah. uh, to, to, write at, to arrive at the right point or, or the right decision, I guess. A little heart, the fuzzy side, the the, the non you know non measurable feelings. There you go. Yeah, you know, tell me about tell me about Prime, right? Let me just chat about it. So, if it looks like red on paper, but we now know that it it basically shifted all of society to now now we can't stand to not get something in two days. Right. <laughs> or four days during COVID, you know, um, and we're totally used to it. Nobody wants to pay for shipping anymore. It, uh, it, right. it sort of changed everything. And if you're not on Prime, you're behind or you're just, you're in a log cabin somewhere. I mean, everyone's got Prime. It's so worth it. I remember when I first was like, should I get it or not? Right. It was, it was sort of early in that. And I, and I was like, oh, well, do the math. Am I going to really buy that much on Amazon? Not right. yet, not really. But then slow. Over time, it was a no-brainer. And my company right. has it. I have it. And I, we use it all the time. Of course, now everyone uses it all the time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, there were definitely some early adopters, and that really helped. Mm -hmm. But like, how, what is it just your drive, the heart, that then says, I mean, how do you avoid falling into that if everyone's telling you this is going to put you in the red? I mean, aren't you crazy for not listening? <laughs> you know? I yeah, no, I, 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 I think it does need a certain degree of uh, conviction. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think um, you, you got to warm up the room when there are a lot of opposing voices. And uh, what really helps is, you know, definitely as a leader who's managing the change and getting people to do, uh, uh, you know, different things, look at yeah. things a different way. Um, I think a couple of things that would sort of work in that environment is you can never go wrong by taking the view of the customer, right? Mm. Um, so uh, if you take the view of the customer, if you talk about, you know, here is what has happened in parallel industries and there are uh, some similarities between why it worked there, it might work here as well. Um, I think having a storyline around those themes 
yeah um, the 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 other thing that has worked for me is what i called uh, in these cases i'm looking at the right uh, phrase loss aversion that, loss that's aversion. what i was looking for right yeah. and what that means is that sometimes people are just not comfortable stepping out of the comfort zone we are doing things because that's the way it's been done right yeah so position your idea as a pilot just a small test just a tiny experiment just a pilot what do you have to lose just right and pilot. that yeah right right and then that kind of people coalesce around ah oh, you know what yeah we're not changing it. everything we're just doing a little test here guys we're not don't worry not everyone's gonna do this free shipping thing let's just do a little poc here let's just see what happens exactly now yeah. that's not i don't know if that's what jeff did i don't know either yeah <laughs> that's what i might do though <laughs> but exactly that, that 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 may work for you and me <laughs> right right and now and now there are post office <laughs> that's exactly right it's amazing i think i've gotten like eight things yesterday we just ordered a bunch of school supplies and here they come, here they arrive. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm sold. I'm sold on that. The fact that you've mentioned, you know, some very powerful things. The fact that it's problematic. You get the tunnel vision, you have the confirmation bias and you're stifling, you're stifling innovation. There's all these terrible things that come from data, but at the same time, if you don't have the right data, if you have dirty data, then you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. And you'll never get off the ground. How do you find a happy middle? How do, you, how do you figure out where you're giving a healthy dose to making sure data is important, but it's not like you're worshiping it? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit, of a, a bit of a science and an art. Okay. Right? Yeah. There is always that um, concept of uh, marginal returns. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think the more experience you get in your you know, line of business, the more you know what does that 80-20 looks like, right? And yeah. anything, uh, you know, more than 20% efforts is, is where the marginal returns start happening. Mm. So let's, let's, let's uh, I'm, I'm thinking on the fly here. Let me give an example. Yeah. In a, in a marketing campaign, right? If you are taking a product uh, uh, to the market and you know this stuff, you see, how, how many personas do you think you can come up with from a, from a positioning messaging standpoint. Hundreds, thousands. <laughs> you got it. You can come up with too right? many. How, how, how many do you start with? Right. Maybe two, two or three, right? Just a couple. There you go. And yeah. that, that, that's the idea of marginal returns, right? Okay. You can boil the ocean all you want, but right. all you need is to focus on the two things that matter. Yeah. Or the three things that matter, right? Um, so that's kind of, you know, how you find, you know, because you know those what? two or three are going to cover 80% of the people. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the, and the, because it takes time to build personas. You got to do nurture campaigns and email campaigns and all the different branding and all that. So you can't, you don't have the time to, to your point, boil the ocean or the San Francisco Bay behind you on your, on your <laughs> you boil that thing. It's, it's too big, but you can, you can get some buckets full of, um, of other people, you know, and you can, pull those those segments those personas okay so exactly I, i'm glad you went over that because i i think it's one of those things where we forget that you know if we want to get the most bang for a buck be efficient and sometimes we get in the busy work mentality where we're just trying to be busy and i think we get out of the 20 percent. we get into just doing the other things that don't really you know make as much of a difference but we maybe feel like they are because we're busy yeah yeah 
uh, I'm going to, you know, if you don't mind, let, let's talk about busy for a second. I, yeah, I know you please. are running this show, uh, but yeah, like, I think yeah, you, yeah. you hit a, you, this is not part of the script, but I think this is an important uh, part. There is no script. <laughs> uh, uh, so I think, you know, I think, I don't remember who said this, um, which translates along the line of busy is the new stupid. Busy is the new right. stupid. Right. Um, essentially, I think busy really um, takes us away from thinking on the things that matter mm. and really um, keeps us from really zooming out and, and seeing the big picture. Um, so I think, you know, being less busy helps us focus on the things that matter, prioritize us the right things. And that I think makes a disproportionate impact on the business, on the people, uh, on the strategy, et cetera. Uh, so I think you, you kind of hit on a very important pocket uh, uh, sort of a point that I just yeah. wanted to unpack a little bit. Yeah, no, and I mean, yeah, I'm devil's advocate though, right? Um, hard work gets things done though. So uh, how do you, what, if busy is new stupid, but hard work gets things done, how do those things, you know, how do you, how do you resolve those two? Yeah, um, but the, the, I think there is a, there's a bit of a gray area there. Sure, um, yeah. You have to work extremely hard at your craft and get better at it and, yeah. and improvement and self-improvement and all that. Uh, at the same time, you have to do it and bark up the right tree and fish okay. in a pond that matters, right? And, and that's the nuance. If you are too busy and busy, you know, busy is translating in how I'm talking about it right now to working on a plethora of things and some of them may not even count. Right. So in that construct, working hard and working hard on the right kind of things uh, mm. matter. Um, but working hard on a host of things that may not matter is dilution of focus. And in this construct, that's what I mean by busyness. The dilution of focus. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you don't see things through to the end if you're so diluted that you've begun several projects or you've begun several lead sources or campaigns and you've never finished them because you've only started them. You got it. Yeah. Love that fish in the right pond. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fish over here. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think I've heard it said too, that um, typically companies get most of their leads, most of their business from one or two or three sources, probably even two. The most come from those areas, yet so many companies have eight or nine or 10 lead generation sources to try to get the leads in. But really, they're only coming from a certain amount, a certain ones. Maybe yeah. they should be considering those other ones tests, not like, to your point, diluting all of their legion power or even ABM side, all that power. And they're just getting all diluted. All that focus is then you're not able to focus on that on the 20% where you get all the results from. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the, uh, that kind of cuts, that principle cuts across all the industries and a lot of businesses. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things, I think you hit an important point. Um, and the problem with the 20 channels, as an example that you provided, is mm -hmm. the amount of minimum work that you need to do to keep the engine humming in those channels or whatever, those acquisition sources is the same a lot of time. The, the fixed cost in terms of effort of um, 
uh, nurturing a channel that gives you a thousand leads versus a channel that gives you 10 leads is not all that different. True. All That's the true. more reason to relentlessly kind of prioritize. Right. Because if you're still sending out the same 10 emails or creating the this or doing this and sending that. Exactly. Unless maybe you have marketing automation helping you, but still to your point with the, the personas, you're not going to go set up eight or nine or 10 or 30 different things when you really should right. be focusing on the two or three personas that really drive most of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what, what's the first step then? I mean, you know, we, 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 I think we've sort of philosophized about the right way to approach data. Do you, is there a first step for someone? I mean, like to approach data in the, in a healthy way? Yeah, I think so. Um, the way I think about the data is, I think it's in a service of a business goal. Ah, uh, okay. Right. That, that explains a so, lot, yeah. So even before I start thinking about data wrangling, you know, data sources, cleansing, et cetera, like I ask myself, what does success look like? What am I trying to solve for? And I think a lot of clarity comes from asking that question. It's a simple question, but doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's an easy question to answer. True, true. Yeah. What What am I solving for? Is there? Um, am I trying to focus on the best way to resolve a pain point, um, market size, and what does success look like? What KPIs matter? Right. And then accordingly, I can figure out what data makes sense. But that that's kind of how I I, I think about sort of the first step as you, as you said. I mean, yeah, I'm putting that goal first, the, the purpose, the intent. Yeah. Um, the thought that came to mind when you're describing that is, you know, how many times do we try to clean up some fields in our database where you're not even going to use those fields? <laughs> you don't need the data. You don't need that particular column to be filled in. So yeah. why, why go and fill it in with whatever method necessary when you're not even going to use it. And, and if you'd taken a step back, like you're describing to say, what does success look like? What am I solving for? Um, what's the ideal outcome at the end of this day, at the end of this project, what has to be true for this to be a success? This, 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 and this, and here's some KPIs like you've described. Now, you know, okay, how do we make that happen? And that may require some data being clean, this data being fixed or changed, but that way at least you're, you're moving in one direction. There you go. I think that's yeah. a great example that you provided. I also think, I know, you know, I, I actually love your opinion on this one because you are the sort of the marketing automation. Uh, you have a lot of subject matter expertise there. Sure. I yeah. see a lot of that stuff happening too, right? Hey, let's do, you know, this module, this module in email, in marketing automation platform. Like not, do we really need it now? What is it going to do to me now? Totally. Right? Or, or can it wait for the next 18 months? Like, I, actually, I, you know, I'd love to, kind of um, pick your thoughts there too. Um. Well, for sure. Um, you know, if, if I, it's one of those situations where you say, if I had a dollar for every time uh, someone asked me to help them set up multi-touch tracking ROI reporting yeah. um, across the journey. And then when I look, they haven't set up a journey. They don't have touches, right? And very simple. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have touches. You get a person in and your sales team calls them and nothing else happens. There are no touches to track. 
So why are we setting this up? You don't need, he's not going to show you yeah. anything. Um, it, but it's like cart before the horse with all these things. You know, data is good, but what are you using it for? Same thing for sure happens in marketing automation um, with different features. And sometimes it's because some features are more fun than others. And I also found that the vendors, the technology vendors and a lot of consultants aren't necessarily thinking strategic or even about the end goal in mind. I saw a blog post the other day. It bugs me. I bring it up all the time. A consultant said, here's the five most unused features in Pardot that you should try today. It's like, just because they're unused doesn't mean I should try them. Maybe I shouldn't try them. Maybe I don't need them. Why? But I'm just going to try these because they're unused. Like what, what do we do is the worst, you know, it's like the worst example. And so, um, and then, and then product, uh, teams usually will market and pitch and even customer success teams will market and pitch just the, um, either the high dollar value, um, features or just what, you know, just a feature. There's not really a rhyme to a reason to it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I can't, can't agree more with you. Uh, I think it's especially, uh, I think those examples are very relevant and unfortunately, you know, uh, they're relevant and they're rampant. And that's right. why you need to ask those questions to kind of cut right. through the noise. Yeah. Right. I ended up creating a framework too. And from my situation, I, I made a, um, a roadmap for marketing automation of like step one, step two, steps three, uh, four, and, and so on. So, so it's a roadmap and it, and it instructs, you know, do this feature set first, then this, then this. And you know, it's funny to your point, when you actually do it that way, it turns into a snowball. It becomes easier and easier to do the other things because you've done the earlier things. Data's in there. It's not number one though. Number one right. is actually getting the segmentation figured out. Who are the people you're trying to go after? Um, and, and building those, those into Pardot to say, okay, well, here are the different fields. We need to, to know this. Yeah. And then it comes time to, okay, now do we have the data that will help us fill that in? Let's make sure it's clean. And also let's set it up now to do reporting. But then that multi-touch thing, that's 10. That's like at the exactly. end, you know, <laughs> that's not now. Exactly. I, I, and I know everyone wants to do it, but there's things that are fun to do before you get there. And then that way, yeah. when you go and you finally get to step 10, all you do is flip a switch. And then you see all these amazing, beautiful charts. But if you try doing that now, people do that. And unfortunately, reps for different products will sell like, oh, flip a switch. They flip a switch, but there's no data. So it's like, blah, it just sits there. There's, there's no charts. There's nothing. It's on. Exactly. No data. So exactly. Yeah. But, it's a, but, but it's a shiny object. It is a shiny object. Yeah. I, I think a lot of uh, thinking is guided by uh, the new shiny object syndrome. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the, looking for the new, the variety, things that just mix it up. Um, I, I've heard like marketers are like cats, you know, looking at a laser on a wall you know? <laughs> or dogs being distracted by, you know, you're walking your dog, like, come on, come on. And then he sees like neighbors and he's like, yeah. runs and like, no, come on, come on. Like not even paying attention anymore. You know, it's like, we're kind of distracted. I, it's the, uh, the Marketech chief Marketech, right. With his Marketech 5,000, just showing the, you know, the 5,000 yeah. more than that. Now the just number yeah. of apps that are out there. Number of categories, probably 20. I don't even know how many categories. There's a lot of categories. Um, and, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's just amazing. Like that thing was, I think, in hundreds, right? Like 10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. He said he, and, first he was like 52 or something, and you could count it on his, on his hand. And, but now it doesn't fit in the page anymore. 
they yeah. gotta go to like three pixels per logo <laughs> to fit that's, it all in. I think exactly right. It's just it's just amazing. Um, and, you know, I was I was looking at it the other day. If you kind of start bucketing into you know use cases like you you just start spotting so much redundancies. You really need these fifty things, right? For this purpose, right? Um, so well, you know, um, yeah, it, it, the different purposes and the shiny. Um, I think sometimes I've been um, I fall into this trap. You look at it as like a band aid or like a silver a golden bullet or something where you just do it once and it'll solve all of your challenges. Yeah. You know, and I've done this with a PPC. There was a, I was doing AdWords, you know, hundred thousand yeah. a month. So you really wanted to refine it, save some money. And, and uh, we bought, it was like clickable. This is many years ago. Yeah. It, it had a great UI and it just looked friendly. It was like, Ooh, nasty AdWords and their, you know, windows 95 look at the time. You're like, Ooh, this is like an Excel spreadsheet hell or this really beautiful user <laughs> interface and it had little suggestions. Ooh, maybe you're too high on this, this, this bid or maybe you're too low. Um, and you're like, yes, we need this thing. But when you go to try to use it, you're like, I don't know how to use it. You still need to know how to do AdWords to use it, right? <laughs> so you had to hire someone to, who knew AdWords and he came in and he taught us how to use it. But it, it just, it looked pretty and it didn't solve anything for us, but it can help you if you know what you're doing. But I mean, how many times do we do that where we just, Go and we try to orchestrate a fix and buy something and then drop it in and then use a third of it, you know, use a tiny portion. That's exactly right. Um, so many little things that, that we do. Like yeah, I even, it's funny. Um, this is a basic example, even Microsoft Excel. Mm. We like, there are so many things there. If you just look at the functions. It's true. Oh, the um, functions. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a search function on that because there's so many of them. Exactly, exactly. Um, and same with all the other tools that you're talking about. And I mean, it's just me, but my particular, thankfully, I don't, I've used maybe six functions my entire life. <laughs> you know, VLOOKUP, addition, subtraction, something else. Exactly. And not much else. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's funny. It's a dichotomy, right? There's an overload. But sometimes the easier thing that you really need are not very discoverable. And not yeah. just Excel, but, but in, in general, yeah. in, in a lot of course, you know, software as service or software as platform, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you look at, look at some of the newer tools, like even with like the, uh, some of the paid advertising platform that you're talking about, yeah. um, like go to the ads manager or you know, the, the new search ad 360, it's just over engineered, so powerful. Um, well, isn't all the I joke? Need is like, yeah. All isn't... I need is a couple of things, and it would be nice if I can easily find them rather than right. customizing all my columns. I think the, the, the perfect example is like the, it used to be the VCR remote, now the yeah. television remote. And if you really think about it, I mean, the Apple TV remote is what you really need. You need to be able to move around, get out. You don't really need the microphone thing, but they threw it in there anyways. But like <laughs> menu to escape out of a frozen app and volume up, volume down. Like that's all you don't need. But the over-engineering of the remote control, the cable one that we have from the cable company yeah. has 30 buttons. I do not yeah. use any of them. I go to source and get it on Apple TV and use my phone. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. 
I think that's that's a good uh, that's a good example to wrap your head around. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, someone shared on on LinkedIn the other day. Uh, here's my Martech stack. What do you all think? Is there anything that um, I could replace or not use, or is there anything? I don't know if you saw this post. I think is the same. I don't know. This thing probably it went pretty viral, but I, I thought okay. But you hit the more button and it filled the screen, right? So I thought okay, you know, five or six things. No, they had apps for everything and one in each category maybe that it was good 18 apps and some of the comments were like do you need all these things there's a lot of overlap in this and this and this um Crazy. wow I, I, yeah i need to check that uh linkedin post um a little bit interesting to see that so did, but did, did people also kind of point out sort of the um you know sort of uh what do you like how many how, how many of them went to the solution as against you know kind of challenging why do you need it it's a great question. I'll have, I'll have to find that um, that post because you know some some people are just suggesting more, you know, and yeah. then some people are like, nah. <laughs> that that looks looks heavy. It it looks heavy because it is like to your point. Not only with the campaigns, but every app you yeah. purchase, there's upkeep, there's use of it, and I think for sure we fall off the platform there. Uh, I think I've heard a stat that something like 30% of, you know, SaaS apps get used. It's kind of an average industry average. Most people use only 30% of the capabilities of any given system they have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought board. it was. Yeah. 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 I thought it was even less than that. Was it? Um, I imagine. But, uh, but I think you're right. Like that's, it's crazy, right? Yeah. You're, you're do- spending three times more than what you actually need. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So many times with like with marketing automation, you see people using it like MailChimp. Sorry, MailChimp. You're cute and I use you sometimes. But like MailChimp, it can be free actually. There's a free version. So, but you're investing in one of these serious tools that can do some really powerful stuff. But then you're using it like MailChimp. Like, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> Stop doing that. For, exactly for marketing that. automation, I found it's about 30% um, is, the, is the average utilization. That's yeah. at least before they meet us, and then we get them. And then you you, you get them on the right track. Yeah, get them on the right track. But beforehand, yeah, and and what's interesting is some tools, not not yeah, you know, I, I love Pardot and this use tools, whatever, as long as you're using right. them. But there's some other marketing animation tools that I won't name just to protect the innocent or the guilty. Sure. People's scores <laughs> usually zero on the assessment that we give them. Yeah. You know, they're not actually even using any of the features in their tool. Yeah. There's emailing out of it so yeah, yeah. it's crazy do, it's wild do, do you uh, you know how you see the industry playing playing out here do you, do you see a lot of consolidation happening or, mm-hmm. or is it yeah yeah that um like the platform i think a, i came up with this maybe i didn't i mean i said it but i don't think i invented it something like the platform always wins that's what i came up with the platform always wins so you know talking to people who want to be partners with either us or salesforce or whoever it's like well there's who's your CRM, right? And um, there's different chat bots out there now. Who's your CRM? Who's your marketing automation platform? Um, and I, I met someone the other day, had a pretty cool, um, like a webinar app. And they, but they had, no part, they had no affiliation. They hadn't declared love for anyone. But that doesn't work so well anymore because what ends up happening is if you've declared, like qualified is web chat for Salesforce and Pardot. 
So if you're on those tools, that thing just magically connects to everything you have. Drift has talked a lot about connecting to Pardot, but also really played up connecting to Marketo. So they're, hmm. they're kind of dating everybody, but they're also saying like, let's be BFFs, Marketo. Totally cool. At least they're saying it. Right. Um, and they qualified like, no, we're with Salesforce, right? They're not writing to Dynamics and to you know, Oracle and to other things. They're like, we're here. And so and then those apps then respond by saying, okay, if you're on our platform, you should check out these guys. So there's this sort of symbiotic relationship when you're part of the platform. So that Got I it. definitely see that happening, you know, and, and like my team doesn't do a, a CRM outside of Salesforce. We do Salesforce and that's, that's okay. Specialization within the platform. And then it, be, it becomes these like walled countries where none shall pass, right? Like, so, in the, but if you're doing a migration, we do a lot of migrations off of other platforms onto Pardot and we have to know the other things to be able yeah. to get them on there. But it's, but we don't do the, we don't like help you do the other ones. We just help you get on to the new platform. And so, yeah, I, I see very much that if you're not, if you're not declaring your love for those things, then you miss out on the benefit of having a big brother or big sister. Um, yeah. And then you, it's hard to compete because it came case in point when Salesforce bought Pardot, you know, Marketo, Eloqua, you know, had years. Marketo is probably the front runner. HubSpot yeah. would argue they are, but I would say the smaller companies, that's a different measurement. But and so, but in the, in the higher realm, because Pardot was now Salesforce's tool for marketing automation, they promoted that like you would expect them to. And that quickly became a very popular tool, you know? Um, right. And so anyone not in that, that conversation, like when Salesforce was looking at Steelbrick or Aptis, when they went Steelbrick for CPQ, that's the tool du jour if you've got Salesforce. And a lot of organizations have Salesforce. Um, and Aptis knew it. I think they tweeted how mad they were and they got banned from the App Exchange because of it, right? So it's like it, you... It, you need to yeah. respect the the boundaries here. It's almost like little countries. It is, and if you think about it, uh, like that is uh, it's such an inefficient model, right? Mm. If is it if, is it inefficient? Inefficient model. If I'm the if if I'm the end user. Oh, interesting. Right, because uh, all I need is you know this modules, um, and I would like to go to one to maximum two vendors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but that but in this model, I may not be able to do that because I may not be able to always you know get to the right answer with those two vendors. True. True. If they those, had, those two vendors might not be able to connect to each other. There you go. Yeah. Because of, you know, the wall gardens or, you know, yeah. the country, then your integration. Example. You can only use Zapier for so much, you know, like if they don't have a direct API, can, or you're going to do your own. So you're right. You can't pick and choose. That's, that's a good point. You can't pick and choose maybe the best platform. You're, it's up to, did, did the parent company buy the best one? I hope they did. I was fortunate <laughs> they bought part of because I think it's the best. But if they had bought Marketo, like we wouldn't be here today. It would be a completely different conversation. I don't know what I would be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. A totally different conversation. But I'm glad they bought that one. But you're right. They don't, companies don't always buy. They just buy what they need to buy. Like when Marketo got scooped up and Pardot yeah. got scooped up. I remember, was it IBM? Someone scooped up Silverpop, which I think is the worst platform. This was eight, maybe eight years ago. Hopefully it's better. But at the time, I hate that platform, right? 
somebody paid millions and billions of dollars for it. And it's, I think it's like terrible, but like yeah. they needed something yeah. to be able to compete. Uh, yeah, I agree. I've worked with all the names that you just alluded to yeah. and I, I can have a different session on the, the, you know, the frustrations, but a lot of my view aligns with the, what you just talked about. Sure. Um, it's just, uh, you know, what's, what's very interesting is despite how some of these are extremely frustrating, they have a long shelf life. Hmm. Man, silver pop has been used forever. Yeah. Right? And there are, there are some of my peers in different industries um, that still use it and are reasonably content, right? Yeah. And how does that happen? Right. I think there are you know, several reasons for that. There are, there are cost reasons. There is, you know, you only need so much um, in where you are in your business maturity and all that. Sure. But it's just amazing how, you know, you uh, and us have a fairly advanced, sophisticated view mm-hmm. of, of tools and technology and how to use it to drive the business. Um, but, but that's not the case everywhere. And right. which then there are a lot of platforms that are suboptimal that just have still have a huge shelf life or, or a big shelf life. It's, it's amazing. It is. It, it, it is. And what's interesting is um, I was fortunate enough to have used Pardot first, then Silverpop. So I was aware of the contrast um, and, and, and it was torture. But uh, <laughs> um, and I, I remember even helping them develop it better because I, um, as a user, like, for example, you can set global scoring settings in Pardot. Every time yeah. a form gets completed, right. increment the score. In Silverpop at the time, you couldn't do that. So you had to manually add every new form you created to a rule that said add 50 points. And if you forgot, it didn't go. And every different thing, you had to do all these manual things. And I was like, this is so easy to do over here and not over here. So I would complain about it. And they, they eventually added that in there. I'll take full credit for it. I don't know if it's me, but like it, these yeah, things are yeah. developing, thankfully, to maybe some customer feedback. But it's almost like there's different products that innovate. They, they take a next step. And some companies are able to sort of like get onto that. But other companies are, I, mean, I, I can't imagine a company still being on Silver Pop. But there, there are. There's, there's such a long shelf life. Maybe it's you know, a long, long-term leadership at that group. Because oftentimes when leaders change, tools change you know so maybe they just such a stable environment that they don't want to they don't want to stir exactly right i I think change management and switching costs like these are not easy decisions to make if you think about the repercussions um yeah but that that makes you uh you have uh, definitely a role as a consultant yeah uh you you can you can help the businesses uh, navigate uh, a lot of those decisions for sure for sure um but oftentimes it's, it's even the ecosystem that helps them now make that decision, right? So um, to your point, you do. You have less, less, less choice. It's interesting. It's almost like maybe it's the, when, a, when a, an industry is, I don't say the very beginning like Eloqua and Marketo, but coming in, maybe whatever part of the curve it, it's on with, with our life cycle, maybe it's, you know, it's yeah. not early adopters, but it's somewhere in the middle. Um, then that's when, before all of the um, the acquisitions start happening. It's almost like getting into its maturity stage. That's when you have the most freedom because you have multiple platforms and to compete, they all connect to everything. 
that's what happened. So yeah. for a while, Pardot connected to Salesforce and to NetSuite. When I first used it, I had NetSuite and connected to Sugar and a lot of things. So you could get it. But then eventually that it's almost like the, the market reached its maturity and then everyone started gobbling up the platforms, you know, and then they started reducing the integration so you only could talk to the mothership. It's an interesting progression. It definitely is. Yeah. I wonder what's next. I wonder what the next one is. Do you, what are you seeing? Do you, you see anything coming around the bend or any kind of strategies or technology that you're, you're intrigued by or maybe scared, scared of? I, I, uh, I, I think the way I think about things progressing is, um, you know, a lot of what we do will fall into um, sort of the relatively lower proficiency and 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 the the higher proficiency buckets right okay and the things that need relatively lower overall proficiency can be automated yeah. they will be taken care of by you know tools technologies algorithms etc right um so in in, in that sense i think there's a lot of uh, data analytics, data visualization, uh, reporting, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, if you are in marketing, it is a lot of uh, the messaging delivery, um, data management platforms, et cetera, et cetera. I think a lot of that is going to be more rampant. Um, uh, human involvement will continue to decrease right. on, on, on that front. Does that tying back to our earlier conversation, does that play into the myth that we were just trying to smash the data is and everything that now we have more and more data tools or is this going to help the situation? I think I, I'm not sure if this will help that particular problem. I think what will help that particular problem is just making sure that we design the ecosystem in a way that allows for layering the human judgment, right? This is just okay. replacing, you know, man hours with machine hours. Right. right. And then there, I think that the, the other category is um, the relatively complex tasks, uh, which have to do with um, data synthesis, you know, making sense, uh, reconciling the contrarian views, uh, right? How, how, that, how that works, how the dichotomy of data telling a different story, if you pull it different way, it works, right? Right. And then I, th I think in the higher proficiency bucket, I would also pull the softer leadership skills, mm. um, team management, people management, uh, and that change management, right? That kind of mm. stuff, M more important now than any time else th th before. Um, I think those are the kind of things that uh, are going to go more and more in uh, in criticality uh, we, do, we don't talk enough about that um, but it, but i i think that's the kind of stuff that will uh, provide a competitive edge when it comes to delivering results um, especially in a function like marketing right what, marketing what is about the influencing the data side you're saying or from uh, the sorry no no the the, the, the software skills and, and the people management uh, and the change yeah. management you don't think we've we've learned everything we can possibly learn about people management 
You didn't, you, you didn't <laughs> learn everything you needed at your MBA? <laughs> no, I feel like everything I, uh, I'll learn something every day. That's true. It, it may not be earth shattering, but you know, incremental things here and there and, and it all adds up in the long term. I agree. And even like for me on this podcast is, is sometimes uh, this has been a very you know, interesting and fascinating conversation. Um, but sometimes I have conversations about similar topics, you know, account-based yeah. marketing and, and um, hopefully it doesn't get too crazy for people listening, but uh, yeah, I'm only absorbing so much, right? Almost like right. our lungs can only absorb so much oxygen at a time, whether we breathe fast or not, that's you get what you get. I, right. I can only get so much about ABM in my head at the time, but I think it's like spaghetti against the wall. Eventually it sticks. <laughs> And exactly. Sense, but it, like eventually the things bubble the surface of, well, you know, 13 people all said it was this. That's very interesting. You know, that I know there's all this buzz, but this is what, you know, has come to it. So yeah, I, I hear you that the, the, and also the soft skills and, and how to really work with people, especially because people keep evolving and the, the generations you keep hearing about different generations learn and are inspired and are driven by different things. You're going to need to continue upgrading your your leadership and management skills to be able to address that yeah you're right i i think people and the generational change there and and the and the, and the mix of sort of the uh, demographic um it's, it's also the, the 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 you know they're just the automation and the processes uh, yeah. and the the communication and how that's evolved over time right yeah and then like the thing that we are, a lot of things that marketers are working right now is a pivot from what they were doing five months ago. Yeah. Right. So all the more reason on um, managing the change and guiding the team through it. Right. Because mm. you'll have people who are relatively early on in the career. And then you have people who have been doing this for 30 years and everybody in between. Right. So I think that's where you are only you are only as effective as the weakest link mm. in, in in the ecosystem right so right. I, I i think unless you so i think that's where kind of leadership becomes critically important do you have any i don't know tips suggestions your most important aspects top three what not on the change management side and what what makes for successful and change management that doesn't burn everyone and you know yeah uh it's a very timely question and something yeah. that that's that's on top of my mind um because i i i've lived this uh lived this rodeo a couple of times now um there are, there are i think if i have to kind of prioritize on and focus on a couple of things right. that would be the following um the first is explain the why Why is it important to not do what we were doing all this while? Right. right. And then when you do that, meet your team or your stakeholders where they are. Right. Don't expect them to be where you are. And, you know, customize your language, uh, understand their psychology and, and kind of make them comfortable in explicit, in explaining the reasons of, of the decision or your thinking, et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. Because when you do that, even if 
they may not agree 100%, they'll be grateful that you took the time mm-hmm. to explain that to them, right? And by just doing that, you'll get a soft commitment. So I think that's, that I think is, is critical um, in terms of you know, explaining, explaining the why. Uh, the other thing I would say is um, defining what success looks like. Uh, and you know, it's not so defining what success looks like, and then walking the talk, walking the talk. I guess mm. is the right way to say it, right? So if you tell your team, here are the three things that matter, right? And then let's say your boss's boss comes to you to work on a project that doesn't align with three things. You know. That's such a moment of truth. How are you going to uh, live your uh, beliefs? Mm-hmm. Right? What so I think do? that's where you yeah. need to sh- shield your team. And you know, this is what success looks like. This is what you're going to do. So there's a little bit of a leading by example right? in, in how you manage change. I think you know, the team looks up to their leaders on, uh, you know what, let's see if he's, he or she is doing what, what, what they think, uh, what they're asking us to do. Right. So those are, I think, very important uh, pivotal moments. The third thing I would say is integrity. Mm. That you know, doing the right thing, um, and it's it's uh, yeah, kind of forget who said it. Like you know, character is what you do when nobody is watching. Yeah. Um, and I think especially integrity was always important, but especially now, uh, more important than ever. Yeah, no one might be watching. Exactly. You're home. You're home. Yeah. yeah. I've I've often said like um, so for my company, you know, completely remote, and um, I've told people in interviews that we we don't have time to micromanage you. It's exactly too hard. It's impossible. I can't come to your house and make sure you're doing your stuff. You just need to get things done. It's results oriented kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, are you. Are you in your cube? I don't know if you're working, but you're in your cube. It's like, no, I don't care if you're in your cube. I just be at home, be at the beach. Um, but let's get it done. But we exactly. can't, we can't, you need that integrity. You're right. And, and that's one of the things you can't really replace in a company. You, if yeah. you gotta, you gotta have that. And if you violate that, <laughs> they usually get rid of you at that point. Um, because exactly. it's so important now that probably is one, it's like a, for sure. If, if you're not, showing up with integrity now, then you can't work remote. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I think I forget. Um, I think we we'll probably read Dalio in his principle that he publishes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with that? It's a book, right? I read it. <clears throat> it's a book and he, yeah. he kind of, uh, you know, posts the snippets. Um, that's a hardcore book. That, that book is like, it's heavy. It's, pretty, it's solid. Yeah. yeah. And I think he, he talks about, you know, once you once you understand that something is a problem, don't tolerate it. Mm. And integrity is a real big, big problem, but there are lesser and, you know, less severe versions of that. I think one of the things that, you know, in change management is also once you know that something is a problem, just be very decisive, especially for the things that are not good. Don't tolerate it. Gosh, that's great. It's a great point to make. He's a smart guy. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, book is uh book's a heavy one um don't tolerate it you know when you when you went through your list explain the why meet them at their 
where they are, define what success looks like. Um, I was laughing in my head because I, I could remember myself completely violating all of those things you talked about and, and how terrible it is. It goes something like, hey, guys, we're going to do this. So do this. Um, why? Somebody asks. Blah, 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 blah. You don't understand. I've, I've been reading on it for years. <laughs> um, you have to do this. And I'm completely unclear with what exactly I want. Great. Let's do this. Go team. <laughs> Let's go on a retreat. Right? It, it's it's terrible experience um, on the team. And you don't often get what you're asking for, for sure. Uh, I remember there's an example of a CEO at a, at a company who was sharing um, sort of almost like brainstorming or kind of putting these yeah. ideas out there. Didn't really form this ahead of time. I think it's important to form this ahead of time. Not extemporary. I like to you know think extemporary. Extemporary. Yeah. Something like that. I got the idea. That, that word. <laughs> On the that fly. Word. I like to do that, but don't do that. Right. It's like, don't do that with your team. Think about it ahead yeah. of time. Well, he was sort of just talking and, and then the meeting ended. And then what ended up happening is six months later, they sat him down in a presentation. And they said, here's the app you wanted. And he was like, what app? Like, you know, the app you mentioned on that meeting six months ago that you wanted us to build. And he was like, I didn't want you to build an app. <laughs> they had spent six months of uh, 12 developers working on it full time, however much that costs to build this app that he w- didn't really intend for. That wasn't the outcome he was looking for, but he wasn't defining the success. He didn't tell them the why and he didn't do any of these things. And so they just went and, and that was a waste. They, could, they didn't use it. They couldn't use it. And, and it, you know, it just proves that what you're talking about is so true. Yeah, yeah. That that's an extreme example, but you know that's 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 yeah, a that's very true. good example of. I like the extremes, though. You know. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're making a point. Right. But, but there are lesser versions of this that are happening every mm. day. You know, good lack point. of sort of that, you know, feedback loop. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, uh, that that's that's very critical. It it plays out day in day out. Absolutely. Who are you? Can we switch to that? Can how? You're you're brilliant. You're a speaker. You're a marketing leader. You're leading teams. Um, clearly, you've got a sense of change management, school education, all these things. You take us back in time. It's like yeah. little you, little little you guys running around. Like, <laughs> where, where did you grow up? What was it like? Did you always know you're going to be in marketing and and, and working with teams and all of that? Um, yeah, I uh, you know my, my journey is definitely not linear. It's okay. been an interesting journey. Um, I, I grew up in India. Uh, I in what part was? It, is it the northern part or the southern? The part? Northern part of India. Yeah. Northern. Close, okay. Uh, closer to uh, New Delhi, and I my, my dad had a small business. He owned a hardware store. Oh wow! So I grew up around machinery and engines and that kind of stuff. So I wanted to um, do mechanical engineering. Right. So that was that was kind of my uh, passion at the time, and that did you led tinker to, with things and like build uh-huh. and mess with stuff. No, exactly. Yeah. I did it all the time. Oh, you did. You did. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My parents uh, hated the sight of me at the. On the like, day. why is the fan not working? Exactly. Uh, I wanted to see what was inside of it. <laughs> That's a benign version of the things I did. Oh yeah. What's the non-benign version? Oh. Um, all the food goes bad in the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, yeah, or you know, the carburetor and a two-wheeler. No, oh, no. <laughs> S- 
stuff like that. Right. Um, so I did mechanical engineering. Um, and so I think that was closer to the dot-com boom when I was graduating um, uh, from mechanical engineering undergrad. And I, uh, I started to program as a part of one of the courses uh, that okay. we had. Uh, and I just loved the power of programming. Like I could make my own games. I did my tic-tac-toe. Yeah. I, I could rig the software. Like I thought that was so cool. Yeah. You put in some work and you'll know right away what happens. And right. I, I've, I've always been very logical, methodical, right? So that just, I just love that. So I did a change of the field and I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I the, the, the job that I looked for um, required me to be a programmer. Mm. So I switched from sort of a mechanical engineering to a computer and software engineering, right? Or, right. or that's where I started my actual work career. Um, so, so, so after was, school, you, you applied for jobs that wanted the, the, so, the software, the coding yeah, side? exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, coding, programming. That what languages were you, uh, were you learning back then? Uh, front end, back end, like um, so a lot of Java, but also yeah. COBOL. Really? You remember? Yeah. And then the back end databases as well. Wow. Um, I love that experience. I think it really, uh, uh, you know, a ton of, you get a ton of respect for engineering. And, oh, for uh, sure. You know, what goes on beyond the scenes. Um, and that's when I, so I think uh, I was working for a client in the US, I was in India, and okay. they liked what I was doing. They had me come here, supporting some of the stuff. Uh, I was supporting uh, you know, marketing and sales teams here. Hmm. And, um, and, you know, there, there, are, there are a couple of pivotal moments um, in that time frame. I thought that maybe as our marketing team could have approached a problem a little more methodically on certain <laughs> Imagine that. I, I, and I thought that maybe the customer experience should look different from what it looked back then. Um, and, and, you know, uh, this must sound a l- little bit presumptuous, but I, I promise you that's not the intent. Um, I thought I could do a better job. Well, being a marketer. you know, you know, uh, even now, I mean, organizations, if they're not looking at the whole system, they tend to look at an individual component of the, of the lawnmower, of the, the, ra- the radio or the fan, and they're not looking at the whole thing. And so they end up being disjointed, not functioning, right? So I could see exactly. you, your, your, your engineering background and the coding where it's, it's very much, you know, you're, you're making modules that work together and talk to each other and, um, it's so much more logical than maybe at the time a creative marketing shop who's like just designing <laughs> logos and doing trade shows. It's like, mm, there's more to it than this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then you mix it with the client uh, experience and having the empathy that you have as the, as the own customer, right? Yes. So you put those together. Oh, you know what? I can do the job. I, I can do it better than the other guy. <laughs> uh, so at that point, uh, I decided to quit my job uh, and, uh, uh, and, I, uh, and I started my MBA. Uh, I went to uh, University of Michigan, um, the best, the best school ever. Go blue! And that's Tom Brady, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had Tom Brady was there for a for a period of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
and it was, yeah, it was very rewarding. A tough two years, but very rewarding. I did my full-time MBA. Full-time. Um, and concentrated in strategy and marketing. Wow. Uh, and uh, officially, I got the legit stamp of a marketer. Yes. Um, and uh, since then, I've been in financial services. I've been in technology. In technology, I have you know, worked in social media with Twitter. I worked in e-commerce uh, with GoDaddy. I, uh, I was also uh, working in the robo-advisory industry for a little bit. So I bounced yeah. around. Um, and I think that's uh, one of the things that has really helped me is that multidisciplinary experience as a marketer. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's just, you don't realize when you're doing it at the time, uh, but I'm so thankful that it happened because it, that makes it so much easy for me to um, connect the dots and port in the best practices from one industry to the other, right? Uh, okay, like so I think, yeah, what is it to you though? Multidisciplinary, is that multi-industry, multi-job within marketing or all the? All the above, I all think. All the above, yeah. In some ways. Um, so multidisciplinary, you could say that I was an engineer, so it helped me in marketing. But right. it's also an aspect of that is also multi-industry experience, which is right. I was in technology, right? I know exactly how the market or deployment works. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's bring it over in financial services here. Right. right? Things like those. Um, I think it makes it makes the pattern recognition much easier. Interesting. Um, because you have completely different subsets of data. So when you see a pattern that reminds you of another pattern, you're like, okay, this is now not just even a pattern within this industry. This is a, it seems like something that's across the board here, almost like a exactly. principle that I need to. Follow. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Like, give me a simple example. Um, Nassil member, I'm not going to name the employers, um, but we did, you know, AB experimentation, right? AB okay. experimentation. I'm looking at the list of them, but I'll just imagine which one it is. <laughs> um, uh, did an AB experimentation of okay. um, uh, the, the land, landing page was not converting very well. Uh, and, you know, when you think about the drivers of customer action, you know, mm-hmm. it is urgency, it is, mm. uh, you know, social evidence, right? Yes. Uh, one of them is social evidence. Hey, you know, uh, 10 people bought this product in the last one hour. Right. Or signed right? up for Twitter, you know, whatever. There you go. Right. <laughs> right. And, 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 and like, uh, that stuff is applicable. Human mm. behavior is human behavior. Yes. And how they interact um, with people, uh, you know, their browsing behavior, what really hits them, what motivates them, their aspiration, they're not changing when they're going from one website to the other, right? So I took what worked in the AB experimentation in terms of driving, driving urgency, and then applied it you know, to other places in financial services and it, the result was a random success, right? Other things as well, um, but that kind of are some of those examples when you have applied them and have a success with them in other places. It's, you just know that the best practices uh, a lot of times come from an industry outside of the industry you are in right now. Right, right. That that testing, I think it goes, it's undervalued. I, I Myself, I had a chance to be for a short period of time in an internal agency, did marketing for several companies within a big company. And you're able to see across several companies at the same time 
what works, what doesn't, where to spend money, who's spending money, where are they doing, you know, what, what are they, you have the, you have the volume and you have the data to be able to see things. And, and you're right. You don't forget that when you go to somewhere else, you, you retain that. So to your point, having, having the results from multiple experiments across your career, that adds up. That exactly. Adds up. You just know things after that. Yeah. And if you kind of think about it, I mean, the discipline that's so interrelated, right? And the industries are getting so interrelated with technology sure. and powering a lot of the business models. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like? Uh, the number one, you know, I've seen this little infographic, the number one um, taxi service owns no cars. The number one rental apartment service owns no apartments. You know, it's a right. industries are merging and flipping and, and changing. You have to stay with that. Yeah. And no knowledge ever goes waste. That's the other thing yeah. that I, you know, you don't realize that. You think this is, you know, the, you, you question sometime, you know, this is grunt work. How are they going to help me? It always helps. Yeah. It you always helps. Yeah. Those stories. And you know what? Those stories, eventually when you go to write a book, you need stories. So the more exactly. stories, the better, you know? Exactly. Um, like when I, you know, when I was at Twitter, like I, 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 I was just learning, enjoying yeah. social what media. What was that like? How, how, was that cool or was it just another company? Twitter is terrific. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a terrific uh, product. Um, it was a, a, a bit of a, you know, coming from a laid back, a relatively conservative. Um, Financial uh, company. You know, Chicago. Kind of steady. So, the, yeah. so, you know, it was a, you know, coming to the Bay Area uh, was a pivotal moment for me in general. There were, <laughs> you know, shocks on multiple levels. But yeah. the organization is pretty cool. Um, great product. Uh, one of the th- so, uh, you know, going back to the uh, uh, earlier point, uh, you really don't know how where this experience will take you and be of benefit to you in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, you know, when I, grew into the senior roles in marketing, I have a very strong understanding of what a social media marketing can and cannot do. Oh, right. Social media marketing is, especially when you think about uh, the growth marketing or the performance marketing, it's pretty big yeah. uh, for a lot of small and medium businesses, as you, as you already know. Um, and even I would say for client engagement marketing too, but especially mm-hmm. for, from the growth marketing, right? That experience served me really, really well over sure. the years. I can imagine. Right? But I didn't think about that. Uh, just as I wasn't thinking about how engineering is going to help me down the road. Right. Right. Just like I didn't think too much about how my how an e-commerce experience will help me down the road. Right. right? All these disciplines come together. Right. And the more, the, the, the kind of, the, the, um, the more experience and the more senior you get, the more you you start to appreciate. Oh, you know what? This is this is all this all makes sense. Well, I, was it Steve Jobs who said uh, in a famous commencement speech, like uh, hindsight, the connects always the dots always connect looking back. Mm, probably. I I I think I think it is a very famous commencement speech, and I you know I think it's pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, it always makes sense how you got there looking back. Um, that's interesting. Exactly. Dots. Dots quote. I just was throwing in Google to see if it, uh, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust there that the dots go. will somehow connect your, in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Steve Jobs. Exactly. Good call, man. Yeah. Like in this kind of ties into a lot of things we were saying. It, the, 
the dots aren't necessarily going to be data. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, well put. I, yeah, I feel especially that. going forward. <laughs> dots are not data. Dots are not data. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, yeah, I mean, what are you doing now? Now you're, you're back in finance. You're back in the, in the banking world and. Yeah. Yeah. Taking uh, ass, uh, taking uh, names. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, one of the, you know, a couple of things that are important to me is am I, am I making a difference day in, day out? Yeah. Uh, am I moving the needle? Right. Uh, and in doing so, am I, uh, am I helping the people around me? Uh, mm-hmm. I, am I making a meaningful difference at a personal professional level? Right. right. Uh, um, and then the other thing that's important to me is, am I working for the right person? Am I working with the people who are going to challenge me? That's right? a good point. And I've been, uh, and I've been, um, you know, fortunate, uh, that all those boxes check out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. It's good to be back in financial services. Um, right. And I think I'm a even more powerful marketer now than I ever was because of all my experience in the, in between. Right, man. All those. Yeah. Yeah. You're back. And then you brought all, I mean, you, you were at Twitter. So you want to talk about social, you were there. Exactly. <laughs> all, all these things you, and you can, yeah, I always looked at it like you in that old game, trivial pursuit. Uh-uh, no. You ever saw that? No. Um, you, should, you should Google it. Um, okay. I know they've done some, some new ones, but the way you win is you go around the circular board and, and it, you land on a certain color and that color has a category. So just the even image search, it would be interesting. Every color has a category. So like green might be geography and blue might be politics and government or something and red might be sciences. And so you land on a color and then you, somebody asks you a question trivia about in that topic and if you get say the science question correct then you get a little red pie square a little wedge little pie wedge almost like a piece of apple pie slice in your little circle you know and then you go around you try to get the the geography one and then you land somewhere else i don't need another you know this i need i need the other color and you try to collect all the colors yeah I've always felt kind of like you that these different experiences were like those little pie wedges in Trivial Pursuit that, that added up to that, the whole, which, which is this sort of multidisciplinary, multidimensional approach to marketing um, rather than just a straightforward piece of, you know, a single block. It's this it's circular mixed with different colors in it. Yeah. I think that's a great analogy. And yeah. actually, I may, I may buy this. this, 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 this I think it's They've got really a kid fun. version. It's, it's fun. They've got an adult version, kid version. Then there's the old version where you're like, really class you see it in like old restaurants in a classic trivial pursuit one and yeah yeah i'm i'm gonna buy i'm, I'm gonna buy probably the kids version uh, i have two boys yeah um okay. oh, nice. and i think nice. this will be this will be good to keep them busy yeah especially during these times right um exactly my kids found a version of that that's like disney questions you know it's like Ooh. are you smarter than your kids with answering disney questions and and they, they have the questions for parents are harder <laughs> They're like really obscure. And the questions for kids are like easy. What was the name of the lion in Lion King? Oh, yeah. For the parents, what was the name of the thing? The thing you know, you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> so it's like the kid wins on that game. It's pretty. They always want to play it. Imagine that. That's um, crazy. Yeah, that's by design. It's uh, pretty smart. Hey, their customer. That that's not you and me. It's the kids. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, they, yeah, <laughs> they got that one right. 
<laughs> they really did. Hey, I have a hypothetical question for you. Sure. Um, you know, let's say I may have a time machine here in New Hampshire and you get to borrow it. You know, COVID's done. We'll, we'll wipe the machine down. You get to go in a time machine and go back in time and, and talk to yourself. And it's yourself just after you graduated your undergrad. Um, way back when, right? Like you're probably still in India. You just got that mechanical degree. You're looking to get into coding. What kind of advice would you give yourself knowing all the different journey you've been on and all the things you've done and, and not done? What kind of things would you tell yourself? Ooh. So many things. Um, yeah. Two things in particular. Okay. One is what, what, what we just talked about. Dots are not data, right? Yeah. Everything will be valuable. Because at the time, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you do at an entry level is grunt work, right? Yeah. And you kind of are, you know, bored, you know, really have to do this. You know, I'm more, mm-hmm. you have an over, what is it called? Over-perceived opinion? Uh, an over... Um, uh, what is it like it's a... overly flattering opinion of yourself oh yeah sure that perception right especially when you are that, that young um and you think you know this some of the work is beneath you i i think that is that that's 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 bad thinking that that's it's silly right i i, I would I, I i didn't fall too much into that but i did see um, there were times when I thought that for sure. What this is, um, it's a foundation. You need. To, I I did a report that took eight hours in Excel. You know like exactly. You need to do that. Of course, I built macros later to make sure I didn't have to do that. But you need you to go. experience those things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do the hours. Do the work. Right. Do the That's work. One. Yeah. The second is um, don't worry too much about the title. Focus on the learning. Focus on working with the right people focus on seeking the right mentors, the right managers, and uh, promotions, titles will happen. Uh, I think it's not a good idea to, you know, chase a title and, and, and take a promotion because you get a higher title. Um, and even worse idea is um, taking a position for money because mm. you got paid more. Um, uh, Never seems they, to work out, does it? <laughs> it? It doesn't, right? No. Because uh, uh, it puts blinders yeah. on. It's like your tunnel vision from earlier. It's a data point that is going to lead you astray. It's like, you may make another 30 grand or however much, but are you going to hate every single day? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's hard to see the, the other part. Like you see the 30 grand, you, you, don't, you, you cannot wrap your head around, you know, hating every day or working with a bad boss or working yes. in a toxic culture, right? You, you, you don't, you cannot picture that right. because you're too young. Right. Um, the other thing that I would, I would, I would, uh, I, I would tell myself, um, and it's not like that I did, I did a lot of them, but there were times when I, when I made uh, certain decisions mm. uh, that, that, that aligned with, uh, going in places that didn't position me for success 100%, right? right. That didn't build on my strengths, uh, et cetera. Um, and yeah, those are, those are good teachers. Powerful lessons, man. Powerful lessons. Exactly. Would you listen to yourself if you showed up? Back then? Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it. I know, right? Me neither. I don't know. Like, that's what well, I look like? <laughs> what was yours? What would, if I ask the same question of you? Um, 
You know, I think it would be something around, um, and I'd have to, I'd, to your point, I, have to, I would have to talk in my language back then, right? But the concept would be something around um, staying within the intersection of your, pap, your, your passions and your purpose, uh, things you're good at and things you enjoy. Um, stay there and, and, and be less concerned with um, what is supposed to happen. Like yeah. I was supposed to be a fighter pilot. Or you know, in the Air Force, I would be a terrible pilot, right? Uh, because like, <laughs> fly to New Jersey again? Let's fly to Hawaii, <laughs> Captain. We're going to Hawaii today because I want to, right? I would be terrible at so, that. So. Hey, what can we do differently on this landing that we didn't do last time, right? <laughs> do not let me. 20. Like the, the most I can do is skydiving, but like, do not let me fly a plane. I tell my friends like, if I get older, I'm like, I'm gonna fly a Cessna. Don't let me do it because it's not a good idea. But I was so like, you know, like the script from, for me in my life was my parents were in the military or my dad was. And so it was like, I'm going to now go fly a plane. And I didn't know what that meant. That meant 100% complete and utter focus on one passion. I have many on one passion, which is flying. And that's what pilots do, right? And, and that's not me. But I never had that conversation with myself to say, do you really want to do this? Or is this just, you know, to look good or to fulfill some, some need or something. So I would try to tell myself like, it's okay. Don't worry about this or that in school. And you, I think the second thing I would say is, um, I don't know if it'd be drop out of school, but it'd be like at some point you're going to have a challenge, whether to do, um, you know, some of these passions or school do the passion. You know, I think I would tell myself that yeah. uh, because there was times in school where I was, dying doing linear algebra I, I looked at my notes recently it looks like matrix code i don't know how i did it i don't know how i survived it um linear algebra abstract algebra Ugh. see you went mechanical engineering like me and computer science oh like i love coding but the math yeah, they yeah. gave me was just crazy yeah but meanwhile i was doing theater and i and i and I ran the theater company at school and I was building, and I was being an entrepreneur and I was yeah. getting people to come to the shows and doing marketing and changing the website. And like, though that was my early sandbox for building a company later and working with a team of people who I couldn't control because we're all just students. And that was my lab. And thank, you know, I guess I had that opportunity because I was in school, but it was like, there's so much stress and anxiety around the, the coursework and these classes that I hated that, you know, I, it's just like, do no, do more of that double down on that thing that you, you have passion with. I mean, that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I think that's a great perspective. I yeah. think it lines up with what we are hearing on the education system right now. Yeah. Um, I think there is definitely a lot there. Yeah. You know, it's tough when I, when I do some coaching and mentoring lately of uh, marketing grads, they just graduated school or worse if they're in marketing, if they're in school right now, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you can get a job in Salesforce without a degree. You can get a job over here. Like, I don't know if you should stay in. I, I'm not the spokesperson for staying in school. That's for sure. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think something's got to change. Um, yeah. There is a lot that's taught that uh, may not be of as much value right now as it was back then. Right. And um, uh, Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of things um, you hear some of the experts talk about how you, you know, you can replace a curriculum with some of the more practical skills mm -hmm. that are more relevant to your point in today's uh, work industry. So there was a, there's a powerful tweet. I think it might be Naval. I don't know if you follow him. 
Uh-uh. On Twitter. He, he's a, he's definitely one to check out. He has these little pithy little single line tweets um, where he boils down core principles of existence into a single tweet. Um, N-A-V-A-L. Um, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I think I've, I've heard of him. Yeah. In the Tim Ferriss. In Tim yes, Ferriss book. Yes. For sure. His, yeah. his podcast, he has these little like five-minute snippets where someone asks him a question, he like answers it. But one of the things he said, I think on, on Twitter was, colleges are an inter- interesting place right now. They have to convince everyone it's just as valuable to go online, keep paying your tuition. But then in a semester or two, tell you, no, 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 just kidding. It's actually way more important to, to go in person, right? Yeah. So yeah. they have to, and I don't know how you do that. I don't, that's, those are two truths that are against each other. So it's like. I, I agree. You know, this COVID is actually going to be interesting because yeah. a lot of them are going remote, right? Yeah. And I don't think they're lowering their fee. They're not. So it's, right. So it'll be interesting to see how, so, you know, they used to sell it as, hey, you know, in-person experience is not replicable. Right. Well, sounds I, like yeah. If if that's the case, then you know, shouldn't I get a discount on that hundred fifty thousand dollars that you'll pay for a two year MBA? <laughs> you should. You should. There's a hilarious infographic showing Netflix, um, twelve dollars. Apple, um, Disney Plus, you know, fifteen. This and this. Hulu, Harvard University. MBA online, one hundred fifty k. It's like. <laughs> They're all just sort of SaaS delivery services now. And, but this one, this price is, does not seem like all the others, you know? That's funny. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing evolves. Yeah. Yeah, it really will be. It'll be interesting. Um, well, hey, man, this has been fun. I don't know if you looked at the clock. Time just flies by when you're having a good conversation. I, I agree. This was, this was fun. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, where, is it good, where can people connect with you if they want to reach out? Uh, is LinkedIn good? What are some URLs and some places they can, can reach out? Yeah, uh, le- I think LinkedIn is great for now. Okay. Uh, I'm also on Twitter uh, if, if anybody wants to connect. Uh, but LinkedIn is, I think, I think the best. I'm very responsive there. Perfect. Uh, I, I started building a website and, you know, some time ago, I must have 50 unpublished articles. So really? I'm going to get... I'm, I'm going to get there one day. Um, and when I do that, I'll send you the domain name, but I'll hold on to it until then. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even a little book, maybe a book out of it. I don't know. Would you, would you keep it uh, digital purely or? I don't know, man. I've never even thought of that. It's uh, it's a connect that maybe I'll, I'll, it's a dot that I may connect in a few years from now, but right now it's, that thought doesn't even cross my mind. I write it. Uh, I write it because I think it gives me a little more clarity. Yes. But I haven't really thought about, you know, what can I do with it? That's true. Yeah, maybe I should ask you. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Get the clarity first. I, I've got a little red notebook. I, it's amazing. When you put clarity in there, it slows time down just a little bit so that you can think about what, what happens next. Otherwise, a month goes by and you're like, what just happened? I don't even know. Exactly. But yeah, the, the clarity comes first. But then I think once you have some clarity around certain topics, it, it may be interesting to, uh, to share those with other people. You know, but, yeah. but, but your the blog idea is fantastic. Um, there's a, there's a book, uh, I believe it's, uh, you know, I think the Martian was this way too. You know, that, that sci-fi book, the Martian uh-uh. anywhere. Do you ever yeah. see that? They turn it into a movie. I saw the movie. I haven't read the book. The book is really good. Um, he, he, he wrote those as blog posts, the entire book. And it's on, it's online somewhere. 
he made it into a PDF, so you can just get it for free, but like support the guy, right? But, but it's yeah. a fantastic experiment. He actually wrote the whole thing. It was published. It was live just on a blog. And a publisher wrote to him and was like, you should probably, maybe we should make this a book, man. This is really good. And so now it became a book and a movie and all that. But he started just by, to your point, just start, put it on, put it on a blog, put it on do, a domain. I, I'm going to do that. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. Uh, th- thank you for, uh, for, for, for sharing that insight. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to, man. Well, you know, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I did, and I have two pages of notes over here, front and back, <laughs> share this with someone else. LinkedIn's a great place for that. Share it with 100 people, 42, 3, 904, however many connections you have, whatever, but put it out there. It's thought leadership. And don't just share it, but also write some takeaways. We talked about a lot of really good things. The change management was fantastic. Those things that you can use in a team, on a team, even as an individual contributor, that's how you don't freak out your boss is you, you manage change with your leadership. Um, there's so many really good things here. Um, confirmation bias, not worshiping data, like it's going to solve all your problems, but utilizing it, having a goal in mind for so many takeaways. Put those on LinkedIn, tag myself, tag Yogesh, and we'll happily comment and share that as well. So that is the way to do it. Dude. Fun times, man. Let's. I've got to have you come back on here a little bit later on, just to catch up again. Lo- love to do that. Thank you. This was fun. I appreciate your uh, time, 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 Casey. You know, uh, I learned a lot about you too. Yeah, absolutely. And, this is my yeah, favorite conversation. A... The conversation between two people. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Good um, stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you. Awesome. And for those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 